0: Let's boot it up.
1: Alright, and welcome everyone. As always, I'm Matt. I'm Drew. And this is Reboot Review. This is our show that we're doing in between seasons of the Back Again podcast. And since we are in the month of October right now, we are picking some Halloween slash horror classics and doing the reboots to those original movies. And today, we're going to do the reboot to the 2004 The Grudge movie. And we're doing uh, the 2020 version of The Grudge.
0: We're doing Sam Raimi's Productions Reboot of Sam Raimi's productions, yeah.
1: The Grudge. So The Grudge comes out in 2020. Uh, this has a budget of $10 million to $14 million is what it says online. And it has a box office return of $49.5 This is going to be my plot synopsis <laughs> of uh, The Grudge 2020. A troubled detective begins questioning her own sanity after entering a suburban house with a legend of a curse that has traveled from overseas. So let's, let's go ahead and, and talk about uh, this reboot, if you will.
0: The, uh, the term that they use on Wikipedia for this movie is a sidequill because it is taking place simultaneous to the events of the first grudge, apparently. It
1: is, but it isn't. At the same time, because what they're doing is they're suggesting that there was still an American character, very similar to the character of Karen in the 2004 grudge. However, the only difference I believe that they're doing is that instead of Sarah Michelle Geller being in that hospital in the last shot or, you know, potentially burning down the house, there is another that like that idea of Karen went back home to America to her to her husband and to her family.
0: That character is not named Karen though. It's
1: not named Karen, but I think that that's the placeholder of what they're trying to do. They're trying to suggest that this curse that exists because at the beginning of the 2020- It's very vague. It's vague, but at the beginning of the 2020 grudge, that uh, caretaker is calling the former caretaker on her phone and that's Yoko, right? And if you're connecting that to the 2004 version, at that point, Yoko's already dead and Sarah Michelle Geller is taking the place. So I, what I think they're doing is they're saying this caretaker in 2020 Grudge is like the Sarah Michelle Geller character. But Sarah Michelle Geller doesn't exist anymore. So they're taking this character. They're saying that she experienced some weird stuff. She can't get a hold of Yoko. But instead of staying and experiencing more of it, she decides to go home back to America where she thinks it's safe. But because of that, the curse then travels overseas with her. And now we have the curse in America that's right
0: the whole mythology of a curse being tied to a location is now following people
1: (laughs) because we needed to uh i have some bullet points of what we can kind of talk about and just to start it off uh let's talk about this curse with the grudge right so in the 2004 version uh there is a family and the husband of that family believes that the wife is cheating on him uh, because she has pictures of Bill Pullman everywhere. So he he commits like a horrible act, which is, you double know, homicide, double suicide. homicide, suicide. But it's such a horrific act that it creates the curse. It creates the evil, right? That makes sense because, you know, a curse always has like a backstory. But in this 2020 version, you know, the curse travels overseas, but the curse itself then takes on the form of the American family. Or as in, the American family didn't commit these acts.
0: The curse happens before the event that causes the
1: curse. Exactly. And then is shaped by it. And that I do not like that because what you're saying... Well, who likes that? Well, <laughs> that's, that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, but the curse influences the horrible act. It's like, no, the horrific act influences the curse. And therefore, when you're kind of coming into this house, you can't escape the horrific act that happened. But now the curse is our villain. Of this movie, if you think about it, because it's initiating... It's, it's And we don't know
0: anything about it because we don't know anything about the original murder that took place in Japan. We don't know anything about Bill Pullman's character. We don't know anything about that treachery. We don't know anything about the double homicide suicide. Yeah.
1: I believe it's the detective in the 2020 version. He says that wasn't there like a similar case that took place like overseas in Japan? The one that, that he went heard? crazy? Yeah. yeah. He's the one that talks about he this, He talks right? about the curse that's in Japan. Yeah. Right?
0: So like it's not addressed because it's just the ramblings of some lunatic that like... Is not important to the plot it's just there for vague backstory it's not explored at all yeah you know they they don't go back and directly connect the horrific events the nature of the horrific events or anything it's just more curse.
1: Yeah, but it's more backstory. It's under the assumption that you have, right? Like this movie is not presenting itself as a like a brand new story. They are It kind of is. That's
0: what a reboot does.
1: But they are very heavily reliant on the original source material because that opening scene when she's talking to Yoko and she's standing outside that house, that is like a signal To us, the audience, that's like the Grudge. It's continuing. Like we know what's going on. And and I don't get me wrong. Like I, I don't mind it. Like I do think that there's something clever about how they decide to get this thing to America, just in the sense of how to make an American version and continue it. But it's still very reliant on your knowledge of knowing what the Grudge curse is to some degree, or else they just would. If if they didn't, weren't relying on it, they would have just had the murder take place in America. That family they would just continue the same story where uh, husband and wife one of them is in love with someone else they get jealous they they commit a horrific act and then it creates the curse but they don't do that they start in Japan <laughs> and then they bring it all the way back over and yeah. that's the
0: thing is it definitely would have been smarter for them to just do that if they were gonna if they were gonna do that you might as well just rip the band-aid off and be and I kind of or we kind of discussed this when we were watching the movie where they have a um, hispanic officer as the partner to the main character the protagonist yeah. and i thought that they were going t- to tease because of his uh background and his uh especially his uh catholic upbringing i think it was catholic sure that they would make some kind of connection like it would kind of be like the equivalent story or the equivalent fairy tale of the omen But it would be through this new lens of uh, of like Hispanic Catholicism, and there would be kind of like a new evil force that they associate with it. But it would take it would kind of follow all the same steps. And they don't do that they just transplant the japanese one here and then never reference it except when it's convenient
1: yeah but all you need to create this curse is just a horrific act i know like you don't even need it to be like the writers don't know that
0: they think that it needs to be connected to the original they think it needs to travel yeah
1: We actually bring up a really good point in regards to things that work in the original that I think uh, the creators of this 2020 version tried to replicate and do in an American style way to some degree is in parts the story itself, right? So one thing about the 2004 version that I think really is strong is its unorthodox version of storytelling. It's very heavy with flashbacks and also telling you different stories about different characters. But they all have one thing in common. Eventually, they all die from the grudge in a horrific way, right? So that's always the last thing of the scene that you see. Even to regards to the first time we even see this, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character sees it, and then she has a little tear come out of her eye. And then we don't even see her again until we've seen two more or, or one more example that's reinforcing why this thing is a threat.
0: It's consistent because as soon as, we, as, soon as the character encounters the grudge or the spirit it's our cue to cut to a different character until they either encounter the spirit or they die and then and then it goes to the next character yeah
1: it's very like methodical and yeah, it's on purpose. It's, it's giving you the information that you need to know when you need to know it. So that way you, you feel constantly like you're, you're still waiting to figure something out. You're still waiting for yeah, that X factor to come in. Um, they try to do the same thing in the 2020 version.
0: <laughs> they, use, they use nonlinear storytelling, but it's not motivated.
1: Yeah, they don't really, uh, they, they don't end the story, right? So they'll cut to a flashback of something, and then they'll cut away. And then when they cut back, some time has passed, but they're still in that storyline. And it's like, what are we waiting for?
0: You could tell that they were just cutting when the producers felt bored. And yeah. it's like, we need to cut to something else because the audience is going to be bored.
1: Well, I would say on the surface level, it's still what somewhat engaging because you have good performances and you have somewhat interesting stakes and concepts going on. But in 2004, like you said, every flashback ends with one of them meeting their, you know, demise with The Grudge. Whereas in this one, you know, The Grudge is just popping up all the time trying to scare them. And, you know, then they just kind of shake it off. Whereas in 2004, every time you saw The Grudge your day was ruined. Uh And that really kind of in the worst possible way. And that really reinforced the threat and the stakes. So that way every time you saw someone walk into that house, you were on edge. You were very nervous. You knew what was to come. Whereas in twenty twenty, it's like I've seen the scrudge like five times in like, you know, a really shaky effect and It's like, yeah, I know it's there. What am I? There's no, you know, so really they're heavily more relying on like the gore aspect of it with like cutting off fingers and having blood and and just having more, you know, generic 2020 or modern age kind of jump scares that you see in a horror movie. But it's, it's, it looks really good, but it's that, that use of storytelling, like they kind of just took the wrong things from the 2004 version in regards to unorthodox storytelling and they continue it, but they don't really get, why it worked in 2004, which was curiosity and which was like raising the stakes each scene.
0: Well, even just the scares and like the fact that I know that we watched the unrated version of the 2004 grudge, but the fact that the original theatrical release of the grudge was Far more I think it was much more effective as far as the scares go Yeah, um, but there's
1: not many jump scares in 2004. Exactly
0: but there's there's the one in the uh, in broad daylight when she's like riding with her boyfriend mm-hmm. Doug that I, I love it gets me every time and then not even just like jump scares but like fear and yeah. the fact that when I, I love this when Sarah Michelle Geller encounters the grudge for the first time it's on her face and like there's a tear that comes down her eye and like you know that's compelling. Yeah. So when you have just gore and people cutting their fingers off in 2020 yeah. because that's scary and like decomposing bodies because that's scary, it's like, no, it's not. Well,
1: let's talk about those main characters uh, and let's kind of compare a little bit uh, Karen from 2004 with Detective Muldoon from 2020. And what I'll say about Karen from 2004 is that she's a very proactive character. Now, you could say that both these characters from The Grudge are proactive characters. However, the difference between them is that Karen, from 2004, uh, she experiences that moment with The Grudge uh, when she's taking care of the old lady and then she looks in the corner of the room. And then, you know, she freaks out, she has the tears, she goes to the hospital. She, because of that wants to go out and find the truth and find the information. She wants to go hunt down the story of why this happened because it happened to her. You know, she experiences this thing and the more she's learning about it, the more curious she's becoming. Um, She kind of reminded me of Karen from Child's Play from uh, 1988, right? She's she's going after what she's trying to go after because she experienced it firsthand. Are both their names Karen? Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) But then when you look at Detective Muldoon in 2020... She's obviously going to investigate it after she experiences it. However, her reasoning for going to investigating that house in the first place is a throwaway line that uh, her boss says, which is like, I know you're looking for a distraction right now because there's something going on with her husband and her son. And I don't know if she's got a dead husband or... I'm pretty sure her husband passed.
0: The the, the son's affected
1: by it. So because of that, uh, she's using this random house that she just heard about with like a homicide or something uh, as a reason to distract herself. Then after that, she starts having, you know, the spooky stuff. And then she goes back and she's finding the information. However, that's just kind of like one step extra.
0: And it's just like almost recommended that she not go explore the house because it is a case that her current partner uh, had, you know, has, has trauma with and that he never entered because he yeah. just felt like there was something wrong about it. And that's the whole thing is that he ends up never being cursed, but everyone around him kind of ends up being cursed.
1: That information would have been useful before she even goes into the house because then when she knows everything, exactly. she can make an actual decision.
0: Yeah, but she just, she goes against, essentially almost against the wishes of her partner, but not literally, just because like it's so tied to his past and he probably doesn't want her doing it, but she's still going to do it because she needs a distraction and what the hell else is going to happen? We need the plot to kick
1: in. Well, I also didn't know how, how detective. Muldoon felt about the paranormal stuff that was happening we don't really know and and this is something that I don't think they address in 2004 with Karen either but Karen is reacting in real time to the things that are happening to her whereas in this movie it begs the question of how does detective Muldoon feel about any of this kind of stuff is she a skeptic is she a believer like we don't really know anything about her so when she's in this house and going up against the grudge well, i don't really know what her stakes are whereas in all you really need to know about karen from 2004 is she's a caregiver so she's gonna care
0: <laughs> like literally <laughs> I, I think i think what's more impactful about it's not necessarily how they reflect on the grudge but it's uh, it's just their proactiveness where it's karen's trying to I, I guess you could say both characters are proactive but karen is more efficient she, she gets more
1: answers i think it's more reasonable why she's proactive
0: I, I guess. Whereas that makes
1: in there, relying on the fact that she's a detective in twenty twenty. Yeah. As you a know crutch, what I mean? And yeah. it's like make that character want to go and, in the house, and not then, just the detective. And
0: then want. on top of that, Detective Muldoon doesn't really end up being as effective an investigator as Karen from 2004 ends up being. Yeah. So it's just well acted and like well written to some extent, yeah. uh, the character, but it's just so cool. bananas how she how she decides to go about doing this investigation.
1: And you actually just said, you know, well acted, well directed. Let me transition into this now. I actually think that the direction of this movie uh, is pretty well done. This is directed by Nicholas uh, Pessy, or P E S C E. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Is it Pesci? I don't know. Um, But like I said, I I think the movie is well-directed. I do think that the first half of this movie is actually pretty engaging to some degree because you're you're trying to figure out what's going on. It's really the payoff that kind of underwhelms it. But it is a good-looking movie. However, I do feel like there is a lot of producer meddling in this movie because of these types of jump scares in which they're doing and how much of the monster or how much of the grudge that they're showing but also this thing where <laughs> when a character is dreaming she's going to be dreaming about previous scenes from the movie that are like a setup before something scary is happening so she's like sleeping and it's like don't go in that house and it's a scene from when he's like don't go in that house We mm-hmm. gotta <laughs> and, remind us yeah and, and that's you know it just feels like they got obviously uh, a more uh newer director even though he's got some credits here on I. And then they just like didn't trust him one hundred percent, and it's like maybe if they would have trust him one hundred percent. And obviously this is just speculation, but when I see these kind of flashback dream sequences and these the way that they're kind of cutting these monsters, it just smells of producers that are trying to imitate something else. Even to the point where I think they get the old woman character. If that's not the same actress from the Insidious franchise, uh I believe you know they they're, they're trying to replicate uh, her yeah, from the well, Insidious look. franchise.
0: I my favorite little edition was flashing the years in block text every time that we, not every time, but the first time we go to a flashback, whereas it was just compared to the way it was done in 2004 and then now it's like
1: flashback! Well, it's interesting, too, because even with these flashbacks, like, you know, we focus pretty heavily on the John Cho, Betty Gilpin storyline. And that storyline is somewhat interesting on its own. It was well acted. It was well I, acted. I don't think it was
0: interesting.
1: In hindsight, it really had nothing to do with the plot of the Grudge. Not even, garage, like, thematically. So. Yeah, but you know what I said to you, Uh, I was like, you know what? They should have been the grudge. We should have opened this movie just in America and focused on the storyline with John Cho and Betty Gilpin. And then the travesty that he does to her with her pregnant baby, that becomes the curse. And John Cho gets to become the grudge. And how awesome would it be if we would have got to see John Cho and Betty Gilpin be the grudge, be all grudged out. And maybe get a little baby grudge in there. Yeah.
0: Dude, a baby grudge would have been dope. I know. So... said we just got like another scary girl. yeah.
1: You know, and like, her nose bleeds. Well, think about that, too. It's like, we don't even really know this family. And because they're not responsible for committing that horrendous act. Yeah, the, the curses. That's so underwhelming.
0: So just, like, just every
1: time we come back to it, it's like, what was the whole
0: motivation? Oh, they did it because the curse made them do it.
1: But But when you see the 2004 family from the curse... It is scary, one, because they look scary, but it's also scary because of considering what they had to go through. They're people, yeah. They're people. And that little boy got drowned by his father and he's, like, you know, scary because he's dealt with trauma like that. And uh, the same with the wife. And, like, you know, they have even, like, kind of bloody tears coming out of her eyes. We don't know who this family is. Like, the one guy looks like a farmer and then there's a little girl, again, with a bloody nose. And then the mom just, like, does, you know, like, some stabbing the neck stuff. But it's, like... I don't know who these people are. Why do I care about this? Yeah. Whereas in John Cho and Betty Gilpin, it's like, I already know who they are as people. Well, yeah, the so... whole thing
0: is they're trying to start a family. There's a the pressure of, uh, I think there's potentially something wrong with the baby or it could be something wrong with the baby, complications in the pregnancy. And then maybe that could like yeah. kind of push him to do something, you know, crazy.
1: Yeah. So give me some, you know, Betty Gilpin, John Cho and some baby back uh, grudge. I really don't like
0: they do the inconsistency with the grudge showing up on videotape. In the 2004 version, there's a great scene where uh, the officer, the detective investigating, sees the grudge on a videotape. And it's a, great, it's, a greatly, it's a great scare. And on top of that, it directly prompts him to take action and burn down the yeah. house. <laughs> so it has a great... There, there's a great purpose for the scene and it's greatly executed or well executed. In this one, the whole point of the grudge being on videotape is that it's not, yeah. and now it's just a reason for people to still not believe her and it's a reason for us to just kind of be stuck in Act 2 still. Because yeah. like we can't get to Act 3 until someone believes her so that someone can come and save her at the last minute. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just such an obvious inconsistency that's just there to make the plot longer. And it's, it's like there there wasn't a worse part in this movie than that part. Yeah.
1: Well, even like, you know, if you, if you take it down to the burning of the house, right? So in the 2004 version, you know, uh, Karen is thinking quickly. She's got her boyfriend there that's like barely alive. Doug. Uh, Doug. <laughs> and then she also sees that there were the gas cans are there. So just in that moment when she's about to get attacked by the grudge, she just because she's a proactive character. She and she now knows the stakes of everything that's going on because she had that whole flashback scene with Bull, Bill Pullman. Um, but just in regards to bring down the house, like you know, she just kicks over the can, she lights the match, and then we just cut to black. And you don't have to show everybody everything for yeah. us to like feel it. Whereas in now in the 2020 version, we have this whole She's, she's talking to the grudge. The uh, grudge is like being the little boy, like her son. The grudge is trying to trick her, but she's she smart for it, that. Yeah, she tricks it back and then she lights her son on fire. And I think that's where I said to you, like, how great would it have been if that was just her son?
0: The grudge was actually like smart yeah. and just, oh, that would have been great. But Even how
1: they use that, because there's going to be two gimmicks that we're going to bring up here after the fire right now. And the first one is going to be the grudge manipulating voice and looking like someone to trick you. And they use that more effectively in the 2004 version because you don't expect it coming because it's in the middle of a flashback. They don't; It doesn't use it consistently. It only uses it like, like a handful of times yeah. to keep you on your toes. In this one, it's all always... It's all the time <laughs> to where it's like coming out and it's like, come on, mom, let's get out of here and stuff. And she's got to like test this little, you know, child grudge or whatever. Um, but even then before that too, you know, in the 2004 version... Karen seems to be, you know, in the flashback that Bill Pullman also is experiencing, right? So Bill Pullman... well, he's
0: like experiencing a flash forward, isn't he? Because he can like sense Sarah Michelle Gellar, can't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: he can like kind of feel her there also a little bit is what they're hinting at. But this is how we're kind of getting told the main story of what happened. It's through Bill Pullman's eyes, but it's also through Karen's eyes at the same time. With the 2020 version, they literally don't have any kind of way to get Detective Muldoon to find this story. So they literally just have the house say, let me tell you a story. Exactly. It's like, look look at (laughs) it, it's so, <laughs> they just show you it, what happened.
0: It's convoluted in the in two thousand four, but at least it like makes sense because it's kind of like it's kind of like the last minute rush of we've got to get all the information across. Yeah. And so it's like okay, the two characters are putting their information together in a really weird supernatural way, but it is like really. it's it's interesting in the way it's portrayed. I like Bill Pullman being able to like sense Karen and there's like some flash forward stuff and like the way the information comes is revealed to him where he sees the boy first and then goes to like discover that the mom's been killed and then the dad's been killed and then the son ends up killing himself or right. I, I can't even remember but even, and even events. think about
1: the stakes with that because we, we start our 2004 uh, movie with uh, Bill Pullman uh, committing suicide and we don't know why and then, so by the time we get to this third act reveal we're waiting for the story first yeah. of all so it's, it's set up it's set up it, it, it's, it's
0: weirdly executed but you can tell that there's intention behind it because there was set up and there is a weird
1: mythology behind it. And they double down on it because not only do we get to see it through Bill Pullman's eyes, we also get to see it through Karen's eyes. Exactly. And it's,
0: there, there's something nice about that even though it's more like how are the characters putting the information together? Who yeah. cares? It's it's a, it's a it's an interesting scene. Well, they're leaning into it. Yeah, exactly. You
1: know what I mean? And they're making everything and, and there's intention. And the way they kind of shoot this movie, too, is the 2004 version, it's directed very well, but it's also kind of the foundation for us accepting all this kind of unique storytelling yeah. that they're doing it's so like in the 2020 version it's just exposition we don't yeah we don't have any stakes as far as what our characters want to learn about the grudge or about the history of the grudge on top of that we already know that the grudge itself made the family kill the family and not only that they say in the police report that this mom like killed her family so really when we're rewatching how this kind of scene takes place there's no new information that we don't know already so we're really just waiting for a voice to say let me show you something and then they show us
0: the scene it's like we want to see those murders like they matter any more than the other ones and it's like no because you're not putting any meaning behind any of the murders yeah
1: and on top of that like i really don't know how muldoon feels about this i don't understand why she's even you know in this house in the first place you know she even though she's a detective there isn't an over-reliance on trying to do the good do do the right thing because it's not like whatever happened to her husband, she's not going to use that as motivation to really make sure she does this case. It's just, well, because of the death of her husband, she needed a distraction. But then she went to this house and it's the worst place she could have gone. Yeah. And it's like, OK, like that's a that's a sexier sentence. But honestly, like it's not motivated in any degree. so you're going to have this character without this go throughout this whole movie. And then we get the third act or the climactic moment. We're going to go. Let me show you something. <laughs> we're gonna, sh- we're gonna show. And we're gonna it.
0: see it, and then the movie's gonna end. Yeah.
1: So I don't think we really have anything else to talk about uh, with this reboot. So let's go ahead and jump into the ranking. So. Uh, Like we were saying during our last episode, this is a new kind of show, so we are changing up the questions a little bit. And the first question is going to be, does it work as a reboot? And some of the things that we're taking into consideration when judging this is, uh, is it loyal to the source material? Does it add anything new or interesting? And does it fit in its time? Um, So let's go ahead and ask this first question of, does it work as a reboot? And uh, Drew, you can go ahead and start.
0: No. Oh, that was your answer? Yeah, that's my answer. (laughs) Big big old X. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, it it does not add anything new, nothing fun, nothing sexy. It does not. It's barely loyal to the uh, source material. It, like I said, it keeps a non-linear narrative, mm-hmm. and as far as executing that narrative or doing anything similar with the horror, or honestly even the story, uh, there's just nothing. Yeah. And then as far as just like fitting in, the I, I, thinking just technically and as far as like when would have been a good time for a reboot, like something like this, if you're going to do something like this, where it's just the same grudge from 2004 coming to America, you should have just done that like back in 2006. That should have just been like your first s- sequel, honestly. Well, I think they made a sequel actually to the 2004 I know, version. but this seems like a sequel. whatever the sequel to The Grudge was back in 2006, I feel like this is actually the sequel. We gotta watch that
1: sequel sometime for the Back Again podcast. We do,
0: yeah. (laughs) But Sarah I'd, Michelle
1: Geller returns for that sequel. Yeah so. I'd be
0: down to double down as yeah. long as we're not watching this one again. I don't know what else to say about it.
1: Well I agree with you I also don't think it works as a reboot. Not because it's not loyal to the source material but mostly because it's so reliant on the source material. So where if you're doing a reboot of The Grudge all you need to do is do a horrific act in the first opening minutes of the movie and then you've created your grudge and then you've created your location for where The Grudge can live. And it's crazy to me how these adults with all these millions of dollars and even like and i'm sure it's probably just the producers right that are doing this but
0: that's sam raimi
1: it's just well sam raimi's not like reading the script he's just like trying to get people work and that's fine that's what your job is at a certain level is just get keep the machine rolling it's an um, industry yeah but it's just like that's all the grudge is it's a horrific act creates a curse so just do that and you don't have to worry about this connection over but it's so reliant and so scared that you're not going to understand what the grudge is so they started in tokyo but then they never explained what happened in tokyo and that yoko was involved yeah and you know not only that but like we said they borrow elements of storytelling in 2004 without really understanding why they told the story in that way in the first place and uh they really just kind of focus on a lot of jump scares and and flashbacks and dream sequences to scenes we've already seen and just for all those reasons like regardless of how i feel about how competent the movie is on some degree or how well it's acted or how well it's like you know lit or directed um it just doesn't work as reboot because it it doesn't feel like its own story it feels just very reliant on the original
0: you can just look at like the opening scenes and how the 2004 opens with the suicide and how this one opens with the grudge haunting someone in the first like first what like 24 frames
1: think about like the movie from 2004 has as much confidence as the grudge itself in 2004 because it opens its movie with a suicide and then goes "You ready to start the story now yeah and you go whoa what like what's going to be like what happened whereas in like 2020 it starts with a phone call and she's like i'm really scared and it it, it
0: establishes (laughs) where we are in connection to the first one and it's like this isn't a reboot this is a this is like a very reliant or dependent
1: sequel yeah it's literally like sitting on its uh shoulders so that's going to be an easy two X's right off the bat. So uh, the next uh, question is going to be, is it enjoyable slash entertaining in its genre? Obviously, this is Halloween time. We're in October. So this is a horror Halloween movie. So in regards to being entertaining or enjoyable, like you got to be scary. You got to be funny. You know, you have to pick whatever you're doing and then commit to that. You know, all, all things considered with this. I, I like it to be a big umbrella. But, you know, is it enjoyable slash entertaining? Can I go first and knock yeah. it out? no
0: (laughs) this is a this is a horror movie that was intended to be watched around halloween time that was released on january 3rd yeah so i I feel like that kind of says all that needs to be said uh the scares didn't work the i mean there was no charm there was no like horror movie charm or scary movie charm or halloween movie charm however you want to kind of put your finger on that there were some okay performances yeah and that was it
1: well like we said you know it's well directed it's well acted um, it's competently directed i wouldn't say it's well directed well it feels like the producers meddled with it so i'm not going to blame him 100 I'll, I'll percent. i'll agree to that yeah so it's going to be an extra you for that yeah i'm going to be a slightly nicer because i do think that there is a market for this movie i could see a lot of high school kids going to the theater around this time even though it's you just said it's january <laughs> All right. So let's say this. I could see a lot of like younger kids watching this in basements around Halloween time and thinking like it wasn't that bad. Um, However, I also agree. I do not think is enjoyable slash entertaining. I think it, it, it barely passes by as far as being like a movie you could watch around Halloween time, but there's not enough substance underneath there to where it's actually like engaging. Whereas in the 2004 version feels like it's from 2004, but it is engaging and it it tells its story in a way that makes you kind of wonder what happens next. And even if you can guess what happens next in 2004, just the way that they're going about showing you makes it really kind of interesting and entertaining. Whereas you can still guess what's going to happen in 2020 and then it just looks good. It's like, oh, look, that's well—that's a well-lit shot of a dead person on the floor. But I knew that was going to happen. Uh, but that sounds like it's going to get two X's again. <laughs> so uh, the third question is going to be: Does it stand on its own? So if you could pretend that the two thousand four Grudge didn't exist and you were just presented with this movie, would this movie stand on its own?
0: No, because it's 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 a. I can't say literal, but it, it's a metaphorical literal crutch, yeah. where this movie can't even exist without the first one because it is so dependent on the curse already existing. You can't have a movie like this where the curse causes the murders to not be reliant on a prior story. Yeah. So I mean it just fails on that technical level for me. It, it, it is using the original movie so much as a crutch that the answer has to be no.
1: Well, even if you started this movie where it was about a curse that then goes to other families in the world and makes them commit crimes, then they themselves become the curse, sure like you could do that but then there's going to be a point in act 2 where we're trying to figure out like where did the curse where did the curse originate and now we got to find that like we got to find that original spot
0: and they literally relegate this to the crazy guy in this one just to give him something to babble
1: about yeah you know, they have that whole detective character and all those scenes with him, but it's it's more scary in the two thousand four version because our main kind of detective in two thousand four just references about another detective going crazy. And it's almost the the lack of knowledge that you have about that detective that makes it scary. It's like, ooh, he went crazy, like what happened? Whereas in now he's got a messed up face and like you know, we see him five times. And we see him like yelling and screaming, like, Don't go in the house <laughs> and like all that stuff. Um, so it's gonna be an X for
0: you. Yeah, God, just that scene where he's, like, gouged his eyes out, and it's like he was under constant surveillance. His hands were chained to the thing, and it's like... (laughs) He couldn't even kill
1: himself successfully. He shot himself in the cheek. Yeah. (laughs) He's a detective. I don't know what was up with that character. Um, For me, this is... But this is a little hard. I'm not trying to be as harsh, but I will say it's like 50-50 to where I think 50% of it stands on its own. I think if you never heard about The Grudge and you watched this movie, you wouldn't think it's the worst movie ever. You would think it's, you know, there's something interesting about it. Um, but that other 50% for me is that they don't commit to that first 50%. So even if they're going to do a thing where the curse is killing families, they never lean into that or, or try to discover it or try to find out where it came from originally they use it mostly just for references based on nostalgia that you have from the 2004 version but it's just they 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 try to have their cake and eat it but really only get half a plate when i do that so for that reason and because i just have so much love for halloween time and for horror movies around this time i'm gonna be harsher and i'm gonna say it does not stand on its own it's gonna get an x as well and i really think the only difference maker could have just been one scene where they say is there any way we can stop the curse because then at least they're acknowledging that the curse is the monster and her resolution to this is by burning the house down right but apparently that doesn't work because the curse can just follow people yeah but no one told that character that the house being burned down Would would solve it like in 2004 this detective is burning down the house based on like just his own anxiety he doesn't know if this is gonna work either, but yeah. we don't know that. All we know is that he is deciding to do this to the house.
0: He's like he's almost like the audience. He's like the one who's seeing
1: all this fucked up shit and is like What would you oh, do? Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, what would you do in that situation? And he kinda responds how we would, which is I'm gonna fucking burn the yeah, house exactly. down. Exactly. Whereas in by the time Detective Muldoon is going to burn down the house, it almost you could almost make the argument to it's like, Whoa, 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 why are you burning down this yeah. house? <laughs> you don't even know what the you don't even know what's going on in this house yet. But now instead it's just like I'm a detective. I'm gonna burn down this fucking house. <laughs> Cause it seems like the thing to do. Yeah, if you're doing that math at home, that's gonna be six X's, zero checks, and it's gonna get one giant stinker X for uh, not worth bringing back. And yeah, I really don't have anything else to say about this movie. It's it's unfortunate that we did it. I think to some extent, uh, I thought it'd be good because it's you know current, it's more relevant. But man, just watch the 2004 Grudge and then watch the 2006 Grudge. So that's going to be a wrap on The Grudge 2020. Uh, As always, everyone, thanks for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, that you comment below. Make sure you check out our other episode. We did Child's Play so far. And make sure you check out season one of the Back Again podcast. Uh, Stay tuned as next week we're going to be releasing another Halloween horror reboot. And outside of that, just make sure you stay safe. And uh, Drew, you got anything else to add? Trick or treat. Oh uh, jeez. Is that
0: what I did for the first one? I don't know.
1: I hope not. All right. Well, that's 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 good enough. All right. We'll see y'all next time.